we'll be uh, looking at uh, Jesus as the good shepherd today. Um, So in John uh, 20, actually, you don't need to go there, but in John 20, we have this really helpful verse uh, or a couple of verses here. John 20, 31 exactly, I'm going to read, is kind of the the, the giveaway to the book of John. Why did John write this gospel? And he, he just writes it out for you and says, this is why I wrote it. He says, Jesus did all these signs, for you, And then he says in, in verse 31, chapter 20, verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That's the entire point of John's gospel. These things have been written that you believe. Belief is the point. Believe in what? Not just anything, but in Jesus as the Christ, the Messiah, the coming King that we celebrated today, the Son of God. God. These are big ideas, but the point of the book of John is to reveal Christ so that we might believe in him. And so Jesus does this in several ways in the book of John. Uh, one of the ways he does this is through, um, through miracles, what John specifically calls signs. He uses the word sign because a sign points to something, right? A sign points you where you need to go, and these signs point to Jesus as the Son of God. They point to him as the one to whom we should have faith in. Uh, and they, uh, but they also are coupled with this other thing. So he's, he's doing these things, but he's saying these things. And so when people say, who is this? Who does these kinds of things? Jesus then clarifies as he's, as he's interlacing his teaching with his works. He says, I am. And then he gives us a statement. Uh, we've looked at a few of these statements over the past couple of weeks. Today we are going to hear how Jesus speaks to the fact that he is the good shepherd. So today in John 10, we are invited to explore the reality that, that Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. And you know, as I go through this, I, I think I grew up in the church, and a lot of times this is kind of an eye roll for me. It's like, oh yeah, good shepherd, I know this. But I've, I've gone through this, and I, 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 I don't know, just my own personal testimony to this. Every time I read scripture, I find that I like totally relearn the whole thing. This is so rich and so deep. So I'd, I'd really, this is for those of you who maybe have read this, have understood that Jesus is a shepherd and prayed prayers with Jesus as a shepherd in it. Just put that, put that away. Hear what he says afresh about being the good shepherd. He is going to urge us as the, as the good shepherd. He's going to urge us or invite us into trusting him. That is the big thing. He wants us to trust him. There are three ways in which he kind of pulls this out, three ways in which we trust God. One of them is that we listen to his voice. These are the first uh, 10, 10 verses. Uh, we could trust Christ. We trust him by listening to his voice. We trust him by resting in his ongoing care. And we trust him by believing in his promises. We trust Christ as the good shepherd by listening to his voice, by resting in his care, and by believing in his promise. Now, the Holy Spirit inspired John to write this gospel, so there there, there are deep, rich truths for life and for eternity in it, but he also used a human author, John, and because we are human readers and their human author was there, we can use some of the devices uh, available to us within human literature. One of these is this idea of a foil. There are many characters in the story that Jesus has for us uh, today. Uh, there, I think I counted like 11 different characters. Many of these are not the point. There's really only one point. It's the good shepherd. But almost all of these are a foil. Now, a foil is a character that you look at and you understand a little bit about them, entirely for the purpose of understanding the main character most. Uh, Cinderella is the protagonist. She's the main character. 
but you learn more about her when you put her in contrast to the foils, the evil stepsisters, the evil stepmother. Cinderella is not about the stepsisters or stepmother. It's about Cinderella, but we learn more about her by looking at what she's not. Jesus is going to do that here a couple times. He's going to say, I am the good shepherd. I'm not a thief or a robber. And we're going to learn about him that way. He's going to say, I am the good shepherd. I'm not a hired hand. And we're going to learn about him that way. But then he's going to flip this for us. And he's going to say, but here is, here, here is something that I am. Here is who I am. I am the Son of God. I am one with the Father. And these truths are so fantastic for us. So that's my setup, and we're just going to go through this. I, get, I, I, I love this text here. So I want you to read here, uh, follow along with me, verse uh, 1. We can listen to his voice, verse 1 through 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the shepherd by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the stranger's voice. It says this figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and will find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Thieves and robbers lure you from the true and lasting and abundant life. There's a word picture here. So I, I want you to be in this, okay? So I'll paint a little bit more of the picture here. Jesus is the shepherd. We are the sheep, okay? I feel like we get that one. Uh, there's something else that he's saying. He, he's talking about this pen, the sheepfold that they're in. And he says, that, he says that the true shepherd comes in through the door, right? And he said, but the others, the thieves and the robbers, they come in and they climb in another way. So uh, Back in the day, you know, 2,000 years ago, back in the day, they, they, uh, they had a sheep pen. So maybe it was, you know, stones. Maybe it was, you know, some other thing if they're out in the pasture and they just need to find a place that had three sides, basically. So you get most of the sides all covered. The sheep come in at night. You lay down, and the, she the shepherd is laying down there in front of the pen, right? So the gate is right there. So at night, what happens? We all go to sleep, you know, and, uh, and, and then... These thieves and these robbers come. Now, now, like a wolf, we're going to get to that. The wolf could come, and then, you know, you kind of fight them off because you got to step over the shepherd, right? The gatekeeper, whoever that is. They come over the side, and they try and lure them out. So this is just the picture. And, and then Jesus, though, is the shepherd, and he says, I come in through the gate. So why is this? He says, because the sheep know my voice. Because I am Legit, I am the guy. I am the good shepherd. You know, it's, a, it's like a, a secret service, you know. You could try and walk into the Oval Office, you know, just stroll yourself in there, but I'm positive I have not done a whole lot of bad things, especially legally in life. I could not get into the Oval Office by just walking in because I'm not, I'm not that guy. I'm not the president. That's not my office. I don't belong there unless invited in. But then you get the president and you can just walk right on in. 
Because people say, I know you. I know this is you. This is your place. This is what happens here. Why, is, uh, why, why does Jesus make this distinction here? It's very controversial. So that's kind of the picture that we're in. It's very controversial. He's talking to religious leaders. He's talking to, it says, the Jews here. It's the Jewish leaders that are here. The teachers, the ones who have been shepherding the flock. And Jesus is very, uh, very adamant that they have not been giving the full story. They've not been giving the right uh, direction to life. They know part of it, but they don't know the Christ part of it. They've been feeding on themselves. They've turned this into a system of legalism. And Jesus, uh, we hear them already rebuked back in Ezekiel 34. God says, uh, you shepherds, you feed yourselves. Basically, uh, much more intense, shame on you. I'll deal with you. Now I'm going to shepherd my flock. And Jesus comes, the good shepherd, to shepherd that flock. And he gives us something better than just a nice interpretation of his plan. He gives us the content. He gives us the pasture. He gives us the shepherd. He gives us the direction. He gives us that confidence that we can have to follow him. Listen to his voice. Say, so that's kind of interpreting what's here. That's just, that's just really, all I'm doing is just painting the picture here a little bit more, just slowly reading it and figuring out what's there. What does this mean for us? How do I know who a thief and a robber is? How do I know what that voice is? I want to be very clear with this. A, a thief and a robber is someone who is, a, is basically a messenger of a counter gospel, not the gospel, a counter gospel, something other than the gospel. Uh, uh, The gospel, uh, very concisely, we could nuance this a lot of ways, very concisely, the gospel is that we are sinners and that God saves sinners. God saves sinners. That's our gospel. That's, That's what we have. That's what is there. This is the voice of the shepherd. There are so many voices in our life today. Uh, there are so many voices um, uh, vying for, um, I don't know, uh, a flock. They, maybe they want to collect a flock, but I don't want to go that far. There are just messages and stories and, and ideas that are thrown out that are so sweet and so beautiful and so inspiring and so encouraging and so logical and so helpful to a point. But, but they're not the shepherd. They're not actually the good news. How do we distinguish when we hear these voices? I think there is a part of, of Jesus' words here where he says, well, my sheep will just get it. I think there is a mysterious part there. My sheep will just know it. But I think that we can not just say, okay, well, I don't get it, so that's a pass. You know, uh, no, we can know it. We can know his voice. My mom, uh, she, uh, she grew up in the middle of Nebraska um, on a farm, and, uh, and one of her, her roles as a, as a farm girl uh, in the family was they had sheep, and so she was actually a shepherd. Um, she has this, like, She'd go out on the field, you know, watch them. Uh, and she had this, like, this is weird holler. It was like, a, it was the weirdest call. I don't know why she did it. Um, she will be here next week. Please ask her to do it for you. Uh, that's how I, I honor your father and mother. I feel like that would be one of the things I can do for her is have her holler like a shepherdess here in the service. It's weird. It's, I don't get it. And so, like, no one can recreate it because it's so unique and so strange. Uh, but her sheep knew it, and they'd come. That, that's kind of a thing. I, I think maybe if we, we, we turn this over to uh, maybe North Liberty. We don't have a whole lot of sheep here, but we have a, a lot of kids. And, uh, and as you see, when they, when they leave, sometimes it's, uh, you know, we say, what would I say nicely? As our kids go away for their time of learning or whatever it is, you know, that's really nice. Really what it is is it's like a sheep stampede out of here, and it's, it's crazy, uh, and it's really disruptive. Uh, they're, they're, they're like sheep. We've got a lot of these kids around. But if you've been around, uh, maybe if you've had young kids or been around young families or... Um, 
or you are a young family yourself, there's something that happens in conversation where, uh, where you recognize, you know, the voice, where you're talking to each other, and maybe you're in, you know, the church, and you're in another room, or you're at someone's house, and, and whatever, and all of a sudden a kid cries, right? What do all the parents do? <gasps> Is it? Oh, nope, not mine. Okay, what were you saying? Sorry. You know, and, and you, oh, we hear it, we know it, and you laugh because you do it too. Uh, oh, you know, my daughter, she just like melted down in this thing this morning and I could hear it even on the drums. I'm like, oh, that's my girl's cry. And, uh, and we just get it. We're tuned to that. That's some of the stuff that happens with, with the sheep. They just know it. They just know this voice because they know what this true and lasting thing is. We don't just know the voice. I didn't know Eliana's cry before I met her. I think that that's a really helpful part in the whole analogy. I think sometimes we could say, yeah, I just don't get it. I just wasn't given that. Whatever, I guess God has just chosen me to never be a part of his sheep. I think we can do that, and that's wrong. There is a knowledge. You can know some of this. There's a dance between this, but you can know his voice. He miraculously gave us a whole bunch of pages of his voice. And it's not so much the tone of his voice or the cadence of his voice. It's the content of his voice. He says very uniquely, other than the other voices in our life, he says something very characteristic of him. The other voices in our life, whether that be, um, I don't know, uh, uh, beauticians or employers or our paycheck or our teachers or, uh, or our uh, social media or whatever it would be, you go on and on and on. All of these people are, are, are trying to deal with something that uh, is, is called sin. And, and all the voices, if you really think about this, all of their arguments are trying to deal with sin and, and really they're trying to minimize sin. They're saying not you are a sinner, they're saying, well, we could just overcome this. We can be better than this. Maybe that's not a real thing. Maybe we can just, maybe it's not so much sin that disqualifies you. Maybe it's just that you need another class. Maybe you just need to read my book and then the one I'm about to release as well. Maybe you should come to my conference. Maybe you should watch this show and be inspired on, on, on a different person's way to live. What they're doing is they're minimizing the sin. That's about all the best that a thief and a robber can do is to minimize the problem. And what Jesus says here, well, and elsewhere, is he says, the, the, the hard thing, he says, sin is real and the message of the gospel is not there is no sin. The message of the gospel is you are all dumb and defenseless wicked sheep. That's his message. You are dumb and defenseless, wicked sheep. You don't need me to reduce your sin. It's a real thing. The hope and joy of the gospel is that Jesus names that and he names us there. That's a reality. That's not me just like preferentially saying the sermon will go well if we believe that. That's reality. The good news is that's real and we are sinners and that God saves sinners. That is it. That the shepherd is going to save us. That is the gospel there. The sooner we understand that the other voices are saying, let's deal with your sin. Let's come this way. Let's go about it another way. Let's jump over the wall and lure you out to a different truth. Not that the problem is just that you're not there yet. Like learn something, be something. Maybe just love Jesus a lot more and then he'll love you in return. That is hauling you out the wrong way. There's only one way and that's through the door Jesus is the door. And he says, people, they, they, my sheep know me because I say something different. I don't say there is no sin. I say, I am your only hope. I am your only lasting hope. I am the good shepherd. I am the only way. That is how we listen to his voice. And we do well to, um, 
to, to listen to it very clearly and to, to, uh, to put ourselves in a rhythm of learning it more clearly. Verses 7 and 9. I've, I've referenced them, but I'll read them. He says, I am the door of the sheep. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. I came not to steal, kill, and destroy, but that they might have life and have it abundantly. Because Jesus can uniquely deal with our sin and brokenness, he can give us life and abundantly so. That is so beautiful. That is the voice we listen to. If you hear anyone, honestly, me, if you hear me saying things other than that you are a sinner and Christ saves sinners, you're hearing a little bit of the thief and robber come in. It's the counter gospel message that's there. And it will only lead to what? Death and destruction. But here's the thing. Uh, let's look at verse 9. So far, I've got us to, uh, where are we at here? Um, if he comes through me, if he enters through me, he will be saved. So, sorry, I feel like I'm, I'm going too fast on that. Uh, how we become a sheep is simply by saying, God, I am a sinner, and you forgive me. Your death on the cross forgives me. That's it. That's it. I will never be good enough. I will never do things that, 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 that achieve enough. I will never love you enough that you'll just love me in return. I am a sinner, and I need you. It is only through the righteousness of Christ and the forgiveness of sins. That, that's it, and that, that, that's what it is. I don't need to give you a scripted prayer, but you could if you want one. I'm a sinner, God. Please forgive me. That's it. Sheep. So he says, you will be saved. That is wonderful. And, and for me, I say, like, that's enough for me. I'm good. But then he says some more here. He says, but they will go in and out. I am the door. If they enter me, they will be saved. They will go in and out. And don't we do that so much, Christians? We're not simply saved. We're Christians who are going in and out. We are living lives. But as Jesus calls us, we are dumb and defenseless sheep. And we all too often turn from this joy, this beauty, that he is the one who can save us. He is the one who can give us life. And we forget that, that the pasture is the best here with him. And it might be a little greener on the other side. We haul in hired hands to be that shepherd, to be that savior, to be that source of joy for us. Let's read on verses 11 through 16. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand is not a shepherd, who does not own, uh, who does not own this sheep, sees the wolf comes, coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them uh, also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. Jesus teaches us that we can, uh, we can listen to his voice. He also teaches us that we can rest in his ongoing care forever. His point here, the foil, the hired hand. I'm not a hired hand. What does the hired hand do? Well, because the hired hand doesn't own, he doesn't have anything invested in it, for, for the long haul, the hired hand will let you down. That's what he's saying. The hired hand, when things get rough, the hired hand is just going to let you down. So I could rail on hired hands, but I really want to hit us in the heart. We make each other, our jobs, our surface-level identity, 
our own inner beauty or resilience. We make those things into hired hands. That's what happens. We see maybe we have a good shepherd, but I need encouragement. Because let's be honest, I've not seen Jesus in person. I, I, I wonder if he's a real thing. I read this book. There's some doubt that plagues me. But my job and my wife, I see those, and they could speak something to me that I can actually believe because I'm not as faithful of a sheep as I should be. I'm a sheep. I'm prone to wander. We do that. Jesus' imagery goes like this. He says that we are all, uh, all people are sheep. It's not that only Christians are sheep. Because right here, he's just explained that there are sheep of another pasture or another flock. All people are sheep. Some sheep are Christ's sheep. Other sheep can put makeup on the blemishes. Other sheep can give you more children if that's what your identity desires. Other sheep can increase your pay. Other sheep can diagnose and treat your illnesses. Other sheep can teach you to your ignorances. Other sheep can say sweet, encouraging, affirming things. But it's a truth that we need to hear that's no, no fun to hear, is that you and I are just sheep. We cannot redeem you. We can speak some fancy truths to you, and so be a hired hand and tend to you for a while, and you'll feel good and safe. But when it's time to say, why should you get into heaven? Do I know you? We'll have to say, no, I, I, I knew some great things about you. I knew some great, wonderful truths about Jesus, but I never actually knew Jesus because I just had a whole bunch of Christian hired hands rallying me, encouraging me, and I never really got serious with my sin. And I never really got serious with my Savior because I wasn't quite sure if I needed saved. That's a problem that we have. And I feel like it's, it's so woefully not a part of what we preach so often. I mean, just in general, in American Christianity, we don't like things that are difficult. And Jesus, I don't know, he's swinging here. He, he is not backing down. He is drawing a line because he knows we need to draw a line in the sand and say, this is sin, you are all sinners, you are all wicked, you all have no hope. He needs to say that because he can then say, and I am that hope. You can't be better. You can't be more wonderful without faith in Christ. There is only one redeemer, and the sheep are not it. The hired hand is not it. He is the door to the sheep. Jesus is the door to the sheep. Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is Christ, and here's why. Because he is redeemer, because of redemption. Now, this fancy term of uh, redemption, I'm going to really, really simplify it, uh, painfully simplify it. Redemption. It's like, um, I don't know, I cringe. It's like a coupon. You redeem a coupon. You have a coupon, you redeem it, and something happens. So just don't take that one too far. Uh, then what happens with our faith is that we have faith and, 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 and in our faith we give Christ our wickedness and then he gives us his righteousness in return. There's an exchange. There's a cross and there's faith. I believe giving my wickedness and my sin to Christ and then he on the cross dies satisfies that debt, and then gives me righteousness. 1 John 4.10 says this, This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son 
as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Atoning sacrifice, he took care of it. Wicked sheep do not need more encouragement. Wicked sheep need a redeemer. And Jesus, our conquering king, the Christ Messiah, is that redeemer. That is why we can rest in his ongoing care forever. Verse 17 and 18, we're now ready for those. Verse 17 and 18, he says, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. There are three things here that are so fantastic and so unique to this good shepherd that no other voice has. He says three things. He says, I lay down my life. So we all know this, okay? It's Palm Sunday. If you've just kind of generally been in the idea of Christianity, you know that in a week, Jesus, Good Friday, he's crucified on a cross. He dies. But the leaders didn't kill him. You know, I feel like sometimes we say our sin killed him. That's often kind of cruel to tell our kids. Uh, I lay my life down. It seems as though everybody killed me, and people are going to doubt this. They're going to say, hey, if you can't save yourself, then why do we believe in you? I lay down my life. And he says something else. He says, no one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord, of my own desire. I have the power. I also have the desire of my own accord. And then here it is, number two. I have the authority laid down, and I have the authority to take it up again. That is insane. While dead, I will resurrect myself. That's insane, if not true. And then the third thing he says, this is the charge I received from my father. This goes all the way back to John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he sent his son. This is the plan. Oh, we're not going to trip over some offensive language here because these Jews are very angry at the end of this, at the, at, at the end of what he says. It's a trip over some stuff and, 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 and make some people angry and all of a sudden he's dead. It's not an accident. He is continually dividing the truth rightly. There is sin. It is real. And y'all are sinners. I am a sinner. But I am the Savior. And that's the part they hate. I am the Savior. I'm going to lay my life down by my power and my will. And I'm going to raise it up again by my power and my will. This, again, 1 Corinthians 15 goes to this and says, this is insanity, if not true. And that's why verse 19 or verse 20, uh, and many of them are there, and they said, he has a demon, he's insane. Why should we listen to this? But then his signs come back. Others then reply, and they say, he did some stuff we can't explain. I'm not quite sure I can handle the truth he's saying right now, but he just healed a guy that was blind. And if he did that, and we know that was true, and maybe I'll flip this around, if we have archaeological evidence that Jesus was real and in his tomb was empty, and we have uh, reports from historical non-Christian authors that are saying, something's up with this Jesus guy. This is, this is really intense. He is different than everyone else. These are real history things that we have, just in the same way that these guys have signs to prove it. They say, we've got to reconcile this. There's something up with this guy. Maybe we should listen to what he says. And what is he going to say? He moves us ahead. He says, believe in his promises. He says, I am God. I am the Son of God. I came for a purpose. 
So, the, the negative urge would be, be mindful when you're, when you're putting someone else, another sheep, into the role of hired hand. Let's be mindful not to do that. If we hear his voice, that God saves sinners, let's be mindful as we go from here. This is, to me, more, of, more difficult of the task for me oftentimes, is to then go away from here and not think that maybe I am the hired hand. Maybe my success in my career is that. Is that. Maybe my paycheck, maybe my kids, maybe, you know, whatever it is. Don't make those things into hired hands that make you feel safe without ever answering the problem. Test everything that's taught to you. Make sure it, it, it aligns with the gospel and the teaching of Scripture. Identify when you're creating sheep into hired hands. Don't call, you don't need to call out the hired hands. I'm not saying the hired hands are awful. I'm saying watch your heart, because your heart will turn them into it. There are a lot of people screaming at us right now saying, believe me, but we don't believe them. But the ones we do believe, it's because our heart has turned from Christ to them. Only Christ will keep you in this life and the abundant life to come because Christ has been sent with authority to accomplish his plan and chooses to do so. So we get to these final verses. Verse 24 through 20, uh, 38, I'm going to do a little bit of a flyover here. Believe in his promises. To trust Christ means that we listen to his voice, we rest in his care, and we believe in his promises. I'm going to read here verses, uh, verse 24. So the Jews gathered around him and they said, and they said to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered them, I told you, and you did not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But, do you, not believe, uh, but you do not believe because you are not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. I'll jump ahead to verse 37. If I am not doing the works of my Father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, even though you do not believe me, believe the works, that you may know and understand that my Father is in me. I am in the Father. We don't first need encouragement. Yes, we do need it, but that's not, not, not our ultimate need. We, we, we first don't need um, maybe a hope. Uh, maybe that's a secondary thing, but it's not ultimately what we need. We don't first need peace. That's something that comes after it. What we really need as wicked, defenseless sheep is a redeemer. Christ, the good shepherd, is saying, I am that redeemer. As our kids saying, who is the redeemer? The only redeemer is Jesus Christ. So what I want to do here uh, right now is, uh, is, is that's where we'll kind of leave this. The urge is that we might believe. I'm going to read a familiar passage uh, about a shepherd. And I just want to uh, take a moment. I'll read it and pause. I'm going to add a little bit more of the language in here. But then I'll read it again and I'll pause. This is Psalm 23. Talking about this good shepherd. Well before the good shepherd was born here on this earth was sent to die for our sins. So this good shepherd says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, John 10 language. You are not a hired hand. When the wolves come, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And as he ushers us into the eternal life, to this blessed pasture, we read the rest of Psalm 23. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house, in the pasture of the Lord forever. We could trust our good shepherd. We can listen to his voice. It is true. It is unwavering. We can have rest in his ongoing work. We don't need to do it. We don't need hired hands to speak to that. We can rest. And ultimately, we can believe in his promises because they are true, they are lasting, they are according to his plan. They are his purposes. So as we turn our time here of worship into, into, back into the corporate celebration. I want to, want, to, want to pray together this prayer that our shepherd, our, our good shepherd, our king, our redeemer, our Lord has given us. Brothers and sisters, let's pray now together.